Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Philippians 4, verses 2 through 9. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jason. Well, it is a privilege to be able to open the Scriptures uh, with you this morning. And uh, the reason I don't have a nice little mic around my head is because I wear hearing aids, and that happens to you when you get old. Uh, But it's good. You can hear then with hearing aids. That's a positive thing. Uh, Before we begin to try to tackle this, would you just bow your hearts and minds with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I am uh, toying with an idea about the world that you and I live in right now, and I, I, I've, I call it the great sorrow. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, I, the world's not been, well, it's not all been Taylor Swift and, uh, you know, Khalees. I mean, there's been other parts of the world uh, beside that, though that is a nice little respite right now. I Googled it one time, one time, and I've gotten at least 50 articles. (sighs) Get married already or something. No, we live in a a sad time, a sorrowful time. Uh, I I was a college student during the Vietnam War. It was a bad time, and I had a really bad... uh, number. Uh, <laughs> I, that's the reason I stayed in school forever and ever and ever, <laughs> to be honest with you. 
Uh, I mean, I, I was about, you know, ready to head for the jungles in Vietnam. I, I understand uh, tough times. Uh, you know, I was a part of actually even some of the chaos of trying to, you know, stand up against stuff as a college student before I even knew what stuff one should stand up against. I realized 9-11 happened. I realized uh, Watergate happened. I, I realized there are a lot of bad times, but we're in a sorrowful time. And, and that sorrowful time, I, I think this text is talking about sorrowful times, to be honest with you. And there's a reason for it. It wants to speak to us. But, but our sorrowful time, I mean, Hamas and Israel, have you paid any attention to that? Ukraine, Russia, it's just absolutely overwhelming and sickening. A pandemic that a bunch of people didn't believe was real, and now they're dead. Over a million Americans. This is a sorrowful time. It's a sorrowful time. And what makes it so sorrowful is that we elected junior hires to political office. And I'm a sorry, I don't want to offend any junior hires. You have a right to be a junior hire, but not to be an adult that acts like one in Washington. And so they have tried to convince us about the pandemic or the lack thereof about whose side we ought to be on. Russia's? No, you're kidding. We live in a sorrowful time. And I think I would be okay if it just felt like it was out there. But the sorrowful time, just, just like in the church of Philippi, is in the church. It's in the church. So congregations are being kicked out of a denomination because they have a female pastor. Is that sorrowful or not? Churches are dividing like crazy, splitting up. In Oklahoma, they go to the, they go to the law. They go, they go to court to see who gets the property. We are living in a sorrowful, sorrowful time. As I think about it, the reason for this sorrow, and I, th I think you can see it traced all the way through here. I mean, you've got these two women whose names are in the good book for not such a good reason, right? How, wouldn't you love to have your name like forever in the good book and somebody's reading it and then some, you know, guy's going to stand up and add his words to it and implicate that you're an idiot? Sounds great, doesn't it? And what's so sorrowful is that they were arguing and fighting about God and everything that relates to God. There is something so sad about that. Now, now, what makes this sad? 
is that this whole piece, and I, I hope to weave this together, and I'm going to use a little Martin Boover on this, if you don't mind. <laughs> it's, God, it's, it helps me a little bit here. But what is so sad about this is that there is an estrangement that is going on. Uh, the estrangement clearly is seen in the text by, by two women who evidently were partners of Paul's in the gospel, right? I mean, it's not like this was written to a bunch of heathen folk. It was written to the people of God. And yet these people have an estrangement going on. And you say, well, well, talk to us about estrangement. Hey, they were alienated. That's what estrangement is about. Another way to say it, they're not at home with each other. There's no sense of connectedness with each other. And in our sorrowful world, don't we experience that? I mean, we live in silos, don't we? There is, you know, the cable news silo here. And... There's another cable news silo here. We live just, just like my Taylor Swift thing. I did not know one song that she's ever sung. And then my kids were telling me, you know, shake it off. Now, I got that one, baby, right? All right? Shake it off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did not know any of these songs. It's an intriguing kind of thing, but, but the silo is a lot like that with, with our media, isn't it? Not just cable news. Oh, what about social media? We silo ourselves. You say, how is that? Friends that we've had, that we've actually taken vacations with, I'm talking me now, Right? I encourage my wife to, is it called unfriend them? I, I say to myself, how did I pastor for 30 plus years and have so many idiots still? <laughs> Was I that bad of a pastor? It's amazing to me. But we do, we silo. And we just disconnect. And people that never in a million years would we really be a friend with. We would never want to go out to eat with them. We'd never, we'd never, I would never want to go fishing with them. Jason would never want to go golfing with them. And we, we say, oh, please be my friend. You believe this nonsense just like me. What has happened to us? We're siloed. We're so disconnected. And that pandemic, didn't it do it to us too? It, ju it just disconnected us. I wore a mask so long that I thought it was an appendage. It was no fun teaching anymore. I was afraid to touch anybody. Elaine's and my favorite restaurant is Red Rock. Love it. Love it. Love it. 
We didn't eat there for a long time, like a year. Finally, we decided we were going to go out and eat during the pandemic. And so what we, we were all shot up. I mean, I, I traveled everywhere to get a shot. I, I had so many shots in me. I'm getting ready to have a bunch more. I'm old. You get, you need them, babies and old people. And so we went to Red Rock. Of course, we got takeout. It was freezing that day. We got our little OU chairs, set them out by the lake. I got the normal, all right, that chicken pot pie. If you've never had it, it's to eat. It is great. It was cold and climby and down. We sat there shivering by the lake, eating that. I mean, the pandemic ruined us. And then we had friends that died and died and died and, and died. I pastored a bunch of people that died. Estrangement is a bad thing. And, and it happens so often with others. But estrangement takes another turn, and the text really talks about it with a constant, the Lord is here. The Lord is near. The God of peace will be with you. You see, estrangement with people creates estrangement with God. Oh, you say, you know, Steve, does that mean we're going to hell? I sure hope not. Don't think so. Don't even know completely what all that means. But what I know is that God becomes something different than the presence that is with me. Do you know what I'm talking about? God becomes an idea, a concept, a set of things or values or whatever it is. And there's an estrangement. Not only that, if this is all right, all the talk about peace, and Paul is a nice little Jew, so he would have known exactly what peace meant there. It meant shalom. It meant wholeness, completeness, putting yourself back together again and others with you. But what, in fact, all of that means is that that kind of Disconnect with others and God brings a disconnect with us, doesn't it, inside? So, as Boober would talk about all this disconnect, in a sense, what it means is that everything's become an it for us, right? Rather than a thou. Rather than be relationally connected. It, it, it then becomes something that either is helpful or hurtful in our lives. And don't get me wrong. Every relationship, it's, it's more complex than just I, thou, I, it. I, 
I think there are probably five or six other ways that we can talk about our relatedness to reality. But what the truth is, is that there is something about making something an it that then means that we can either use or dispose of it. But when we make everything an it, then we become an it. And our only value is what we can produce or a joy that we can make happen. And it's tough to have joy except for Taylor Swift. There's a sadness to all of it, a despair, a brokenness. So what are we to do, right? What are we to do? Well, the Nazarene in me, which is partially a heretic, says we got to do something. We got we to gotta reconcile. We, we've got to go to people and, and make it right. But the heresy in that is that that's just something called Pelagianism. And it means that we somehow have the capacity to do it. And we don't. In fact, when Jesus says, love your enemies, he, I used to think that meant you, they would become your friends, but that's not really true. Friends you have to trust. But enemies, maybe, maybe you can love them even if you don't trust them. Maybe. How do I love them? I see them as a, as a vow. I don't see them as a hindrance in the way. I see them as people who have hopes and dreams, fears, families. I see them maybe through the lens of being a teenager, right? I can kind of remember being a teenager. Seventh grade is never to repeat, by the way. Never, ever, ever to repeat. Skip it. Just go straight to eighth grade. But I see them as people who can be lonely in a crowd. I see them as people who are caught in silos. I see them as people, not as trees. And there is a connectedness to that. I can not pity them, love them. But I can't do that on my own. And I think that's what this text is really trying to say to us. The text is saying that the answer to all of this is reconnection with the ground of our reality. And not some concept of God. I mean, concepts of God. I mean, they're like Zeus, right? Odin, Marduk, these great warrior gods. Ah! Or even the God of wrath or the God of love as a concept. But, but connect to something that ancient Israel absolutely knew, and that is you can't describe it. because its name is Yahweh. 
just means being. Being. I am who I am. I am being. I am, as Paul Tillich would say, I am the very ground of being. I am that which, as Paul would say in Acts chapter 17, we live and move and find our being in Him. How long has it been for us? How long has it been for me? Since I just was with God. Not my concept of God. Not the God that I want to straighten other people out. Oh, believe me, those clearly it's a part of who I am. I mean, I'm a theologian for crying out loud. I believe that most people are heretics. And I've come to believe I probably am too. But God, who is undefinable, as Samuel Terry would say, is the elusive presence that is everywhere. So no wonder Paul says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. How near? <sighs> Nearer than that. <sighs> Nearer than my anger, than my confusion, than my pain, than my sorrow. The Lord is near. What do you do when the Lord is near? Tell God what to do? Probably not. Probably not. You pray. And you pray with thanksgiving. Why? Because your prayer is so powerful that you're going to be able to get God to do what you want? No. Because God is God. And God is going to be better to you and to me than even we want. And also, better to those folk that live in that foreign silo that we, what, is it called unfriending? Yeah. Don't we just let go? So pray. Maybe pray like that little dishwasher named Brother Lawrence would talk about. We just practice the presence of God. The other day, uh, I was thinking through this sermon, and I was out walking. And I was walking and walking and walking. I try to walk about five miles a day. That's a, that's a good thing for old people. Uh, and I'm a quick little guy. I am. And, and I was just walking and walking, and I got, I got caught up. Well, Paul said it was in the seventh heaven. I don't, I don't know about any of that. I just got caught up. You ever get caught up? I was just caught up, and the next thing I knew, my eyes were closed, and tears were running down, and I was actually, it was one of the rainy days, I was, I was over North Park Mall with, with masses of old people. 
They, they just are, they come by the droves to North Park Mall, especially on cold and rainy days. I know. I go too. And I was just praying and praying, carrying on. I was, I was like a Pentecostal. Had my hand up. They had to think that I was like, you know, dementia-type guy. And next thing I knew, I'd, I'd walked eight miles. My body was breaking down. How long has it been, to use Charles Wesley's term, that you've been lost in wonder, love, and praise? I'm sure not telling you to go out and make up with somebody. And sure, the people that live in a crazy silo, I'm not saying put them back on Facebook, right? Or Twitter or X or whatever he's going to call it next. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is this, the beginning of real reconciliation starts with God. You say, this sounds a lot like evangelistic service. Well, it is. It is. Walter Brueggemann has written a great little book on evangelism. He said there are three types of evangelism. Evangelize our children becoming adults. Very important, especially my grandchildren becoming adults. We evangelize outsiders. Evangelism just means we gospel them. Right? That's what it means. And outsiders becoming insiders. And then he says something that is awesome. And we are constantly evangelizing ourselves. I want to gospel you today. And to say this, God is near. God is very near. This, in our denomination, is a sacrament, not an ordinance. And what a sacrament means is that it is a means of grace. And Jason, do you want to bring the folk up and help us here as I'm finishing this? And, and a means of grace is not transubstantiation. It, it doesn't mean that these little chips become the body of Christ, or, you know, this little cup becomes the blood of Christ. That, that, that's, that's with another group that believe that. But, but what it means for this to be a sacrament is that, well, how can I say it? Maybe not any better than St. Paul. The Lord is near. You, do you understand what I've just said? The Lord is near. And when you take this little piece of bread, it's not magic. And when you take this little sip and put your bread into this cup, it is not magic. But the Lord is near. He is right here. He's closer 
than the little wafer. <laughs> he's closer than the little bit of juice. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And he took the bread and he redefined it. And he called it his body, broken for us. And as often as we eat it, we are to remember him until he comes. Same way, he took the cup and he redefined that and he called it his blood, which was poured out for us. Not as some kind of peace offering to a wrathful God, but poured out for us, demonstrating love beyond all limits. And so today, when you come forward and receive a little piece of bread, I would ask that, uh, that you realize, that you think the Lord is near. Now, Father, we ask that you will take the elements that you will, in and through these elements, make them a sacrament of your church. And may all of us experience the presence of the Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name. You're going to be exiting and to your left and come forward. <laughs> and you will receive a little piece of bread. In that, you will have it placed into your hands, and if you come with your hands cupped, it is a rightful way to receive grace. And you will dip it into the cup and then take it. And again, I want to just say to you, it is not magic, but the Lord is near. And so, all across the sanctuary, would you stand and would you exit to your left and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ?